Hey everyone, it's Tom Karadza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term Show, Nick and I tackle a whole bunch of stuff. We talk about playing offense versus defense with your life and your finances. We talk about some of the U.S. financial data and the Canadian data that's coming out. We're gathering up some of that stuff for the Rockstar Economic Update that we put out for Rockstar members, and so we talk about a bit of that. Then we actually get into some crypto discussions, which we haven't in the past. So we're all over the map. At the end, we we do talk about the Leafs and our our our, our, our cherished Leafs, but we get into the conversations. We share a bit about that. And the reason that we haven't been putting out as many podcasts recently, just so you know, is not only some of the social distancing stuff, because we have had some guests we want to have in person here, but part of it is we've been very busy with the Rockstar Inner Circle membership. Over the last five weeks, we've been putting out more content than perhaps we ever have. So if you're not a Rockstar Inner Circle member, you should know that every month we publish a 12-page paper-based newsletter that we send out in the mail, and we did not miss our April newsletter letter and that required some juggling mostly on the whole team's part and Nick's part here to pull that off and uh, so we got that out but then every week we've been doing virtual classes on updates about rent collection with our paralegals we've brought in our lawyers we brought in our mortgage brokers we've been doing a classes on the rockstar mindset for rockstar inner circle members so it's just been this ongoing content production and the reason for it as investors and as Canadians trying to live life on our terms we believe believe the best thing you could have for yourself is an information advantage. So as soon as we get good information about any aspect of our real estate lives, we absolutely want to share it with members right away. And we do our best through this podcast to share some of that information as well, but definitely Rockstar Inner Circle members get the priority. And we were shocked that this month we signed up a whole slew of brand new Rockstar Inner Circle members. I think it shocked both Nick and myself at how many we signed up. So if you are thinking you want access to some real estate information during these times that goes beyond just the typical buy, sell, and real estate is good, but dives into the nitty gritty of income and cash flow and how to uh, analyze different properties, how to look at the price points as compared to the rents and access to the classes and more and more of those we are making as virtual classes, you can check us out at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member member. Next week, actually, on May 7th, we are doing a brand new Rockstar Economic Update exclusively for Rockstar members. This thing is going to be a beast of a presentation, but we really try to break down the global macroeconomic picture in a way that Canadians here on the streets living their lives and investing here can take that information and apply it. And we really feel to be, they can take that information and be better prepared to handle their own futures and their own finances. And we don't uh, mean to call ourselves economists. We are far from economists. But what we are doing is our own economic research for ourselves. And then over the last decade, we've been sharing that information with investors in hopes that they can get some use out of it as well. So, um, that's one of the big things that we have coming up on, on May 7th. So if you haven't heard from us on the podcast, it's not because we're not doing anything. Trust us. If anything, we have been busier than ever here at Rockstar working on some stuff. And that's what we've been up to. We've also put out, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, we have put out some, I think it's three or four now longer Rockstar Minute series on our YouTube channel. The last couple are getting a lot of attention. Um, you can check us out there at youtube.com forward slash Rockstar Inner Circle. One is a look at the demand side of real estate in the GTA. And another one is um, how to look at inflation and deflation 
using an example on just how to understand those concepts. So if you want some of that type of information, you can go to youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. And if you want to become a rockstar member, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. There you'll read all about the membership, how we started and all the benefits you get as a rockstar inner circle member. Again, that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. Enough with that. It's time to get on with the show. Enjoy. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live. Nick, I know you can hear me. Whoa, and you're loud. Am I? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's probably the settings. We haven't done these in so long. My settings are probably all messed up. I want to hear you less. <laughs> yes, I understand <laughs> that. I get that. Okay, look, before we get into, because I know you wanted to talk about defense versus offense. That was my, I was, di- I was dying to. <laughs> I know. But before we do, I want to get into some of this uh, economic data. Just so, that- the reason, so everyone knows why we're laughing is because I basically said that, no, I, I don't know really... If we, I want to talk, I mean, no, I did want to talk about it, but not to the point that I think you were thinking, like I had this big grand plan. Uh, yeah. Yesterday it. we were talking about doing this podcast today because we haven't done a podcast in a long time. And Nick said, yeah, you know what? Maybe we'll talk about that whole thing. We were talking about defense versus offense. And I couldn't remember exactly what we we're talking about, but it sounded good. And I said, yeah, okay, that's great. Well, it was more Sergio. Yeah, Sergio, yeah. I was, I was thinking back to the Sergio podcast that he did with him. And, um, that's why I was, I was thinking about it. Cause I mentioned his, uh, I was talking to our Globe Mail reporter today, and she was asking about, uh, you know what she asked about? Actually, immigrants. She's like, do you, uh, do you find, and maybe I probably brought up, brought up immigration, and she's like, oh, do you find that some of the investors you work with are immigrants? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, what percentage? I'm like, I, I, I didn't have a percentage, but I go at least 25%. Oh, I, went yeah. to, I go like one quarter to one third, easy, at least, easy. right? Yeah. And she, and one she, third. I, I would, I would say it's maybe, maybe over 50, half, maybe yeah, over maybe, half. I didn't know. Like, I mean, I had five seconds to answer the question, right? So, and call her back but she and she was she was surprised by it like she was audibly audibly not visibly mm-hmm. she was audibly surprised by it like you could tell in her voice that she was not expecting that answer so i don't know who else she had spoken with in the past with different things but she was not expecting that answer great who knows so what she, we're going to see in the globe and yeah. mail based on what you said yeah so she <laughs> dug, she dug into it a, a, a imagine we see a headline like Immigration, uh, the immigration, uh, what, what would it be? Creating demand for investment property yeah. or something. Like Where some why? Where, Little footnote, you know, as per Rockstar Real Estate. And where, where is Sergio from again? Where did he? Come? Argentina. Oh, I think I said Venezuela. Messed it up. Oh my gosh, you threw him right under the yeah, bus with that. I know. I, I thought when I said it, I was like, I think that sounds wrong. So Sergio, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this, I apologize for that one. Got that one wrong. So I, I apologize in advance. Sergio, man, from Argentina, the land of great steaks, and I'm sure the coffee's good too. It's, 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 I so, feel like it's a place. If it, the economy wasn't so messed up and the currency didn't explode every few years, I feel like I could live in Argentina. I don't think I've ever been to an Argentinian steakhouse, like even I, outside of Argentina. The, the crazy part is, I've been to one Ar- authentic Argentinian uh, steakhouse in Barcelona. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how and the steak was I would have said Vegas there's got to be a good one in Vegas I guess yeah. yeah I guess there is but the steak was freaking incredible it was incredible we I went on the way me. back from Croatia we stopped there I was, you know who I was with Mario so that's my brother-in-law and his family we all stopped in Barcelona on the way in and out that year and on the way out his wife booked this restaurant and I thought, oh, what am I going to go get some kind of, what kind of steak, steak yeah. am I going to get here you know and it was just it was there's got to be a good one in Toronto we should ask him. 
There's got to be. We should have, like, like Sergio is the source of all Argentinian. Well, he might inter- know. I mean, <laughs> look, if we were looking for Croatian products, we could ask our dad. And for the last 40 years, we've been able to ask him where, Croatia, where to source where different Cora- Croatian products in Toronto, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And he'll give you his feelings straight up on that. Yeah. So, uh, so that got it. And you were saying that just to circle back on all this stuff is that you were bringing up Sergio because Sergio is the person who shared the words that he felt when he moved to Canada. He could he, finally play offense. And that's what you were telling the reporter? Um, yeah, yeah. I, now I'm, no, now I'm curious, that. yeah, because yeah. like in what context were you telling the reporter? Um, I think it was, I don't think it was about the actual immigration point. Uh, actually, you no, think it, it was about investors? She, she was asking why, why do you think the, the uh, from if they're immigrating to Canada, like what, what attracts them to investing in real estate? And I said... Did you I, record this call to make sure that your words were going No, be, I, I tried to, but I didn't. Okay. But yeah, okay. but anyways, yeah, it'll come out all wrong. For sure. And, um, and so what I was what I was saying was that it was uh, when they come here, I go, a lot of them are coming from areas where they come here and they just they're almost laughing at the opportunity they see available to them because they're just like the opportunity in front of them is so great. And then I use that example, like if they come from certain countries where, you know, they they're a lot of the time they have to play defense because of different regulations and policies in place. They it, they can't really kind of aggressively try to make next they're moves free. for themselves. They're yeah. free. So they come here. They're I like, know. wow, I have all this opportunity. They finally feel that like they can play offense. I love that. And that's where. So I'm so scared that, that we lose that in this country. You know what? This is bringing up an email thread that you responded to with that funny cartoon about the lineups. It was like free money. There's a door oh, that yeah. has like free yeah, yeah. money and a door that says work hard and keep half. And there's a lineup outside the free money door, but there's nobody yeah. outside the work hard and keep half door. <laughs> but it, it, made, it made me realize of that story from our aunt's husband. I didn't I know, know that. I don't remember yeah. that. When you wrote that, I, I, I didn't remember it. So It's always just stuck with, it was the first time I saw, I you know, it, it made me, it, it, it took the understanding of socialism from the textbooks or history into real life. So it makes sense. Okay, share it because it makes yeah, sense so, to me. After I read it, I'm like, huh, I, I played back a lot of things that have happened over the last ten years while I've I've been there. And I'm like, man, it makes yeah. A lot of okay, sense. so this was one of our uncles recently passed away, and he um, he explained something about Croatia that I never heard before. And he said, listen, before kind of Yugoslavia, he remembers the people of that area being very resourceful, very hardworking. And even at the beginning when Yugoslavia was formed, you know, through World War, at the end of World War II and that whole period, that the country was really outputting a lot of good engineers. And it was just, it was a resourceful group of people. But then as socialism continue to evolve and I guess get time to mature in the country, the people of the country stopped working because everybody knew that no matter what, they were going to get some help from the government. So over time, and then he saw, he said it was like in slow motion that over decades, he just saw less and less new innovation, new work, you know, like new so people work would ethic. get help. But on the other side, people would be capped at their upside as well. Yeah, well, right. he didn't really talk about that okay. angle, but I'd imagine right. okay. that's some yeah, of it yeah. too. Because if you don't, if you don't have free enterprise where you can build something and really reap all the rewards of what you build while supporting your community through taxes, mm-hmm. but if you're artificially capped and the government, you know, just gets involved in all of your business, yeah, it's completely discouraging. Let's face it. Yeah. But he was talking uh, from that angle of that the people just stop having a work ethic. That through every decade, more and more people just put out their hand wanting more and more money from the government and the, 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 the culture of the area changed from people just being kind of prosperous and hardworking to complaining about their pensions and how their pensions weren't enough and complaining about the government. 
And when he just, and when he sat down and described it like that, I mean, he was really older at that point and he was even getting a little teary eyed about it. Just kind of how he saw the kind of the destruction of, the, of that people. And listen, there's great people in that. We know great people in that country. Oh They're gosh, amazing, yeah, yeah. great things. So we're not kind of, you know, we're, I was going to say poo-pooing. That sounded so like we're not poo-pooing on the, but we're, but, uh, you know, we have cousins there. I mean, it's like a great, yeah, it's it, one person's opinion, but it's some of us went through it and there's some, there's, you know, I, we, I mean, generally we've, I've always taken value from people with firsthand experience. Yeah. Like that. That, and, and that's that, right? what it was because I remember as a kid in the eighties going there and I didn't understand that it was like, you know, socialism and there was a socialist kind of state like that. I just remember taking Levi's jeans, Duracell batteries and aspirin and being treated like a hero when you landed and opened up your your suitcase and those items were in there because nobody could get them and now reflecting back on that um it, it just is kind of connecting the dots i'm like man these people we were in north america with no cap to our upside freedom we could play offense to sergio on your point there and there they were kind of just it almost felt like there was this invisible hand keeping their prosperity down does that make sense yeah, it, it does, because you had to figure out a way to work around the system to be able to try to get ahead in any way, like our aunt did when she went to, was doing, exchanging currency at the, the local uh, food markets. Yeah, you know selling I mean? eggs and being a, cur <laughs> a currency basically dealer. money laundering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but that was, I mean, she wasn't the only one that's kind of in those types of scenarios. And there's, there's countries in the world right now where the same type of things are happening with currencies and that type of stuff. So... Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess that was it like that. Well, didn't it, Lebanon right now, didn't last week, Lebanon or this week, Lebanon, I think, I think the public there rated like 12 banks because they're upset with the yeah, currency there, how it's fallen 50% in the last little while. Something like that. Yeah. You sent me, you sent me that. I, didn't, I don't know the details about it, about it, but yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Neither do I. I, I just mean, yeah, like we are, we are still in a yeah. great place. So, and then, and then before we get to your stuff, now that we're on this defense versus offense thing. I Why think, do you wave at my stuff and dismiss it like that? I got yeah, important yeah, shit. Some of your share. stuff again. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I think the idea of it all came from, uh, you know, with the current circumstances that, you know, everything's going on with pandemic, lockdown, virus, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, I think early on there was, you know, everyone kind of, you had to buckle down and be like, okay, I don't know, you know, there was uncertainty. It's like, I don't know what the heck's going on here. You got to buckle down. You got to play a little bit of defense in those, in those circumstances. You got to maybe, maybe it's cash reserves. Maybe it's taking account of everything, seeing where, what, what's going on, but you got to play a little bit of defense and kind of shore up your defenses. Right. But I think now as things have progressed, it is an opportunity to start playing offense again and be like, okay, I've ready. I've kind of shored up the defenses. Where do I go from here? What are the, you know, what are the, the opportunities that this might present me? Maybe it presents me in 30, 60 days or 90 days. Maybe it's six months from now. Maybe it's right now. But, you know, you've, you've got to start moving again, too. And there's like an offensive play as well. I'm, and, you know, I'm, I'm taking, I'm removing all the health component out of it because there are going to be people, there's frontline workers that are going to be like, hey, you, you don't see what I'm seeing. Yeah, I get all that. And I'm not dismissing that in any way, shape or form. I'm just coming at it from one specific angle. And I think it's... um. I think from from that angle, you know, you you, it, it's an opportunity to kind of, while some other people might be sitting on the sidelines, it's an opportunity to, to um, really kind of, yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm struggling for a word here, but it's an opportunity to play some offense, right? It's to kind of figure yeah, things. I think out. it's an opportunity it's to, to live again, not live in fear and have an objective yeah, and a goal. Make, and to go make, out. It's to make some moves, right? To make some moves and see how you can how you can kind of play through this and you got to figure out the system and the current state of the system and, the, and then you got to figure out how to, how to play within those rules and make it work for you but there's opportunities out there and, and and i see it more and more and more and more people that i'm talking to 
you know, the people's opinions have changed and they're like, okay, you know, I think we're good. It's time to kind of move on to stuff. And, um, you know, when, when, when there's a lot of people sitting around not doing much, it's really an opportunity to get ahead because as, as, as the majority of people are sitting around and maybe whatever it is in your industry or whatever you're doing, if you're able to move and take even small steps as people are staying stagnant, you get further and further ahead and it's easier to keep that lead in the future. Right. And I think that's where I was coming from with all that. Right. It's, it's, it's no different than, um, for some reason, someone told us this, but it was when we were starting our business early on. They're like, oh, you guys are realtors, so you must golf a lot. You must play golf all summer, right? Oh, my right? gosh. And we're not golfers at all. Stab we, me. Yeah, so we don't enjoy golf. And uh, and someone was like, yeah, well, that's the opportunity. Well, while people are doing that type of stuff, it's your opportunity to kind of get further and further ahead because mm-hmm. while they're using time for that, there's, there's other stuff yeah. being able to go on. I know, and when people say that, it's always kind of bothered me a little bit because I never look at it out, and I, th- I know you're the same way. I never look at it as like getting ahead against or measured other people uh, other people uh, i never yes. both of us have never operated that no, way that's why right. that when people say that to me i always kind of look at them i really just want to live a life where i'm living my purpose and it allows me to get up every day and do what we do because if we weren't doing something we felt had a bigger purpose than a real estate transaction would you want to get up every day and just do like real estate transactions? No, no, it gets older. Really stab quick. me on that too. Yeah, for, stab me. For, for some other people, it might be their thing. No, absolutely. You know, and I'm not trying to dismiss that. Whatever your purpose is, is your purpose. Yeah. No, no. And you're right. It's not comparing yourself to other people. But for me, it's like, it, I really like getting things accomplished. Like I'm so, so type A that you give me a list of stuff to do. Like when I get to cross something off that list, it is like joy in my life. Yeah. you know, And you know where I really realized that is when we went through that three or four day period when this epidemic a pandemic um, really took off and everybody was frozen there for a few days watching the news. And I was getting up a little bit later and kind of roaming around without any kind of big goal or anything. And after a few days of that, it's really kind of depressing. Like I've realized that I need, you know, Napoleon Hill's book, uh, Think and Grow Rich, when he talked about uh, how, you know, you can have whatever you want as long as you have a definite chief aim. Do you remember that language? A definite chief aim. I don't remember that specific language. The, the, yeah, for me, it was like at this big point. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need a definite chief aim in my life. And it just always resonated with me. I kind of forgot about it. But, it, but through this pandemic, when I was kind of getting up later, and I never have my phone by my bed, ever, ever. I never take, have my phone on the second floor of my house. Um, and it stays, uh, it stays charging on the main floor. And for a few days there, I was keeping it by the side of my bed because we didn't know what was going on. And you and I didn't know if I had to be in contact with you, but the business or something yeah, like yeah. we had no clue what was happening. And I remember I would just roll out of bed and I would check the news right away. And then mentally you're in a negative state and it just, I was sleeping in a little bit. So I didn't have some kind of time to prepare for the day. Like I normally do. It was just a horrible existence. The number of, <laughs> the number of times I checked the news for, I guess it was probably a solid three weeks was you know I, I i looked at myself at one point i'm like this is disturbing like yeah. stop it was stop. It, i i fell into a very bad habit oh yeah very but it's quickly. easy to do oh yeah, yeah. i learned a lot about yeah, yeah. myself and I'm, and I'm getting out of it now but i'm still checking it more than i more than i used to before yeah. this all started yeah it's not as you know bad know? as like two but, weeks ago but, but now i find i'm checking it. i'm like why am i checking it nothing's changed now it's, now it's you, like you know, okay i, I just get need it. to kind yeah, of yeah. keep going here yeah totally but uh okay so, so we, you had something to talk about yeah this little stuff here no it's not i want to show you this chart look so this chart, I know you can't see it if you're listening to this, but I have up the St. Louis Federal Reserve chart about the total assets in the Federal Reserve. And you on this chart, what you'll see, and if you're, you're listening to this, obviously, is that there was $4.5 trillion um, of stimulus by the Federal Reserve, and $4 trillion of the 4 dollars 
was done through the financial crisis of 2008. In the process, they did QE1, QE2, QE3, QE4. And through that process, they put just about $4 trillion um, out into the financial system. And then over on this last chart, it just spikes up because over the last, I guess, 30 days now, they've put another $2 trillion or half of what they put to recover through the financial crisis. And that's just the first $2 trillion. So I, I, I dug it up, Nick. Check this out. This is what I have written down here. Oh, by the way, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but the velocity of money has been updated on this chart. You want to see it? Oh, no. I don't yeah. want to see it. I, Look. No oh, way. I know. So the velocity of money, if you're listening to this, if you listen to our or if you watched our latest um, Rockstar Minutes video on YouTube, you'll hear us talking about the velocity of money. And the velocity of money is just the movement of money. And it's at its lowest point that they have documented going all the way back to 1960. And the graph is just pointed almost not quite straight down, but pretty much straight or straight down right now. So money is not moving. And that's bad for the economy. That's, that's complete deflationary when money doesn't move. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But he, what I wanted to show you is that, you know what's not increasing? They haven't updated their you know federal what? debt. You know what, it's go, exactly go back to that same. chart. I'm, I'm interesting, because if you look at this chart, and I know people can't see it, but if you look at it, with well, the start of the last recession, the the, uh, the financial crisis, it went from almost, you know, the, the yeah, it went the, from on the like left what? Hand, uh, the ratio on the left-hand side is basically in two. In, in decimals, like, a, a, you know, one-tenth of a point. So it, start, it went from two, and within about, that's probably, what, a year to two years? About a year, year and a half? It went from two down to about 1.7. So... And then so far now, it's only gone down, you know. Well, because it can't uh, really go much no, more. No, I know, but, but it's only gone down a third of that. And I'm just curious if, if it has to go down that that much more. Where, what's this chart going to look and like you know in six and, months? And, and, and to be clear, after the financial crisis, it continued to drop, right? And it did. We've, it we've trended been, I mean, down. We've been studying we've been yeah, looking yeah, at this for just, a while. But. And, and, and there, it continued to drop. And that's why GDP, this is a really interesting point you're bringing up. It dropped. It's why GDP growth did not come back as high as everyone expected. Was, yeah. Because money wasn't moving through the system. And that, that's why we've had a recovery in the last 10 years. But it has been a little bit of like this recovery, like the stock market obviously went wild and obviously some asset assets really grew like real estate prices, but it didn't really spread its way through the whole economy. And that's why the velocity trended down like this. And now it's just kind of going straight down. Oh, there's lots. Of, it can still go way down because see the graph just only no, it, I know. It, ends, it, it ends at 1.3. It 1. can go way so down. Like I know, <laughs> I know. It's just that when you get to zero, there's no economy at all. To give people a, a historical <laughs> precedent, it was, it was at about 1.8 from about 1960 to about 1990 just into yeah. the early 90s and now we're one then it went up to about two for you know 20, 10 or 20 years and then now we're all the way down to 1.3 and we have we've we've been dropping ever since 2008 i mean we can go rapidly to, we can go to zero but then that means we're just trading rocks we're not we're not using the currency so anymore if we're listening to this go get rocks yeah so <laughs> no, get gold um, get your metal um, okay, so here's what I want to share. The deficit before all this started in the U.S. was under one trillion dollars, but then it, you know, it's kind of hovering around a trillion dollars. But listen to this. So I just did some quick math. The reason so I have the deficit, just to be clear with people listening, because we're just talking about other trillions of dollars, and that was different. This is the deficit of the yearly, the deficit. annual deficit. Right. Yeah, like so, if you take the amount of money the government brings in uh, and subtract the amount of money going out, and I'm talking U.S. And the reason I'm talking U.S. is this has a big impact here on Canada. Our Canadian. Uh, debt, I think, went up $250 billion in the last month with all of our stimulus. I'm gathering all this for the economic update that we're about to share. That's why I have some of it here. But I just wanted to share the U.S. one for a second. If the annual deficit was about a trillion. Congress, what what has it been, three weeks ago or something, added $2.2 trillion or $2 trillion or so of a stimulus to the economy. Then they ushered in another $500 billion. And now there's talks of another $2 trillion going out the door. 
So if, if you think about it, it was the annual deficit was 1 trillion. But if you take 1 trillion and you add 2.2 trillion, another 500,000, and you add another 2 trillion, we're, we're going to have an annual deficit in the U.S. I say we like we're part of the U.S. I'm just observing the U.S. as a close next door neighbor that really we're impacted greatly by. But they're going to go from about a $1 trillion deficit, which already was bad. Remember, that's bad. Like, that's not good. But they're going to go from $1 trillion to $5.7. $1 trillion to $5.7. And, and I don't think we're done. I don't think we're done. Like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. But wait, wait, now, so listen to this. And the Fed announced, the Federal Reserve announced in the last few weeks that they're going to buy corporate bonds, also referred to as junk bonds, but corporate bonds. So if companies, you know, have debt that's out there that it won't roll over, the Fed's going to go in there and buy it. They're going to buy mortgages. We should and reach out to them and see if they want to buy some totally. bonds from us. We totally we should. should. Yeah, we're, we should start Canada. Rockstar Bonds. Yeah. <laughs> no, for the Canadian government. Yeah, you're We right. really should. Hey, man, we need some cash or some bonds. You want to buy them? Hey, corporate bonds, mortgages, and municipal bonds. So they're just buying everything at this point. Like they're, they're pretty, much, pretty much buying everything. Well, it's no different than what Japan did, right? Isn't Japan, no. Hasn't Japan bought like 40% of the ETF market over there? Yeah, something, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, and then if you sum up kind of like just what's happening right now, when you think about it, there's, if, if you kind of just think of the lost business income that's going on in the U.S. economy right now. Like, think of it this way. Did you ever think a few weeks ago that the gap, because the gap is what? Old Navy, the gap, and Banana, Banana Republic. Republic. That's yeah. the three I know. Maybe there are more. Yeah, there might be other ones. But that would probably be a great tenant in a mall. I, I think I'm sure they have their challenges. Decent. I don't, I'm I don't sure know they're, if they're great anymore. They're Good not like point. an anchor yeah. tenant, but they're mid-tier. Yeah, you know, they got to be at least mid-tier. Some people sure. go looking for those stores, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how many times did we go to the U.S. looking for sales of Banana Republic? Oh, yeah, man. It was like, had, uh, we haven't done that in a long outlet, time. No, those outlet malls. They had no. some good deals there yeah. for a little while. But then we bought stuff and I just never wore it. I, I ended up just buying way too much stuff. You yeah, bought more yeah, than yeah. me. It was so cheap. You I was bought- like, I'm just going to buy everything. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get extra suitcases for you to bring back what you were bringing back. But, uh, but there's the lost business income. And, and when you think about it, what's their PPP program? It's the payroll protection plan or whatever, where they're, you know, just... That's their kind of statement. That's what they're calling their stimulus. something with payroll. Like, I've never looked into it because 15, I just keep see. I always just read PPP, PPP and I'm good. Fifteen hundred dollars, like whatever it is, fifteen hundred dollars uh, per adult, five hundred dollars per uh, per child, or something like that. I mean, we're doing we're doing our CERB stuff, which is two thousand two thousand dollars. That program's two thousand dollars. But like, look at the lo- just going back to the lost business income. How much inventory does the gap have sitting on the shelves right now? Do you think in January any executive? In the U.S. that was part of the gap thought our risk right now is we have a million, tens of millions, I don't know how much, hundreds of millions of dollars in inventory and we're just going to park it in some stores and the malls are going to shut yeah. down. No, it's painful. How painful is that? And then the gap has come out and basically said they're not paying rent. Mm-hmm. North America wide, no? Yeah. I no, thought no, it was no, just. retail is going to hurt. Retail's yeah. gonna hurt. Well, Neiman Marcus is, is have they filed or they're going to file? But that, that yeah, came I saw out like a few weeks ago. I saw, stuff's changing so fast. And I can't even keep Saks? it. It looks like Saks is. Yeah, I figured Saks. Saks was on its I last so legs. Too, but I was surprised when Hudson Bay bought them. Like, because Hudson Bay bought yeah, them like right, well, yeah. it wasn't that long, five years ago, maybe Weird. longer. Yeah, yeah. But they brought them up. They brought Saks off Fifth up here. That's great. Another one of my outlet stores. I can. Yeah, go you to. love Saks so, too. I know all <laughs> your stores. All the stores you love are about to go out of business. I don't shop enough. I definitely don't. But. um but yeah, I was surprised. But but I, I don't. They're not saying that they're claiming bankruptcy. But there are some reports now that they are looks looking to line it up. Uh, the other one I sent you to send you that one about Hertz. You told me about Hertz, Hertz but yeah, I haven't seen anything it looks yet like about Hertz. Hertz. And, and I'm not 
like this is this is know, all rumors this at is this all point. just what i'm reading on different kind of business uh whatever if they're newspapers or, or other sources online so but nothing's being reported but it looks like like in the business community a lot of people are saying like hey look these ones looks like it's like inevitable that the some sort of bankruptcy proceedings will be coming and then usually what happens is they come out of bankruptcy after that mm-hmm. restructured a little bit there's some debts forgiven all that type of stuff and then they try to make a second go of it and very rarely does that seem to work from what i remember i've never known i don't really know companies that come out of that very well no they usually come out once it doesn't feel like toys r us was in and out of that for years like decades or two decades that was the u.s one the canadian one never went into it i think yeah but But anyway but anyways they're 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 weakened and then they try to make a run in it and it's very they don't seem to be that the success rate isn't very high so yeah retail is going to it's going to be it's It's going to take some a little while for it to kind of go go through here but I mean, the latest stats that we're seeing is about uh, for closed uh, malls. So like for shopping centers, not the open air big box ones. or like, Yeah, like the Eaton Center and that kind yeah, of place. Yeah, Yorkdale, that type of stuff. Um, oh, Yorkdale's got to be okay, man. That's, that mall does business. No, I know, but multiple of the, it's the same retailers, right? And it's the same owners. And, and the multiple of these owners of these, of these malls are saying, yeah, they're looking at about a 25% collection rate on their rent, which, which means about 75% did not pay rent for April. That's insane. Yeah. For April. Yeah. yeah, yeah That's yeah. insane. As compared to our informal analysis of working with investors on the residential side, I would say April 1st rent collections was about normal. Well, again, that so the reporter that I talked to earlier, she said, I don't know which REITs she was talking about, but she referred to the REITs that she had spoken to said on the residential side, she saw about 90, they were saying they got like 90% plus mm-hmm. of, of rents. Um, I saw a, a, um, an apartment association locally. They said, I think they said 85% plus is what they saw, which is in line with normal, normal. To, to them. Yeah. And we see things normal, which were like well mm-hmm. over 90. It'll be interesting too. to see as this evolves. Right? As this evolves. May so, yeah, 1st, May June 1st. 1st, 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 1st exactly. Kind of yeah, that'll change things a little bit too. Well, so we'll What's see. What's May 1st? May 1st is tomorrow. Yeah, got it. We'll see. I've just had, uh, you know, I'm not going to share too much because um, just for privacy reasons um, with like my own tenants, but... Uh, so I don't want to share which property and stuff like that or, or past experiences. But so far, um, a couple have reached out to me this week and uh, with very positive and some some with one particular one more positive than even usual. So cool. So which is well, good. I mean, things, for me, at least, I don't know how it's going to continue. One of the things that residential real estate has going for it that commercial doesn't is during this time, what has been really busy has been things that are a need. So grocery stores mm. packed because we all need, apparently we all need toilet paper, we all need flour, and we all need women's hair coloring products. That's my own analysis yeah. of what we all Yeah, need. you're right. Men, you're right. I guess men's hair color, I, I say hair coloring products because every time that we've gone into a shopper's drug mart recently, the ones I guess some of the people know us, they're always pointing out, hey, the hair coloring's over here. I don't know if they're having like an internal joke at shopper's drug mart that people are coming in. I don't dye my hair, whatever hair I have, I know you don't, but uh, obviously uh, hair coloring products are in demand. But um, yeah, and, and, and what's, uh, you're bringing up something I hadn't thought of before. During this time, what's interesting is that a lot of discretionary spending is not available. So a lot of people that may not manage their money the same way as other people are as well, you know, who blow it on, maybe they're going out to bars or who knows what, what they're doing. Like if you're not able to do that, you know, you can only drink so mm-hmm. much too. Online can right? make up some of that slack Online, though if you want to yeah. spend some money on stuff. Yeah, you can. It's, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's not just not to the same level. The, 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 um, the impulsive spending, I guess yeah. it still can exist. No, but the impulsive spending is gone. Yeah. 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 So largely gone. I, I just, that might be playing into it too right now. So like when stores open and if the, if the jobs aren't coming back, then it might get, it might actually get worse. 
You yeah. know what I mean? So, and my point on the residential was that residential housing, like grocery, is a need. Yeah. It's a need. So if you have a family, so of course there's going to be people who, and I know there's petitions out there about don't pay your rent and all this kind of stuff, but just think about it. If you're a family, if you're a family, you're going to buy food for your family. And unless you want to just roll the dice on your place of shelter, you're going to pay your rent. Because if you don't pay, you know there's going to be a day of reckoning at some point in the future where you're going to have to catch up on payments or something. And then this brings up a good point. I don't know what your thoughts are, but you know, a few people have sent stuff into us saying, Hey, would, would Rockstar, would you guys kind of like combat the movement of like, don't pay our rent, you know, that kind of stuff that comes into us. And you and I always kind of just don't get involved in that kind of stuff. And part of the reason I think for me anyway, is that if there was ever a movement approved of not paying your rent, if you just reverse engineer this a little bit, who does that affect the most? If, if residential tenants cannot, are, are, you know, the government says residential tenants, yes, you don't have to pay your rent. Who does that affect most? Think about this. Well, the it, banks. It affects the yeah. banks. Who's the government always going to protect? Mm -hmm. Always. More than any of us. Who are they going to protect? The banks. So the only way this is going to take off in any capacity is that the federal government will give tenants subsidies or money to use towards going to pay their rent or allow landlords to apply yeah. for missing rent That's what so that say. they can make their payments. So it, it's so, more likely they'll give it to the landlord directly. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, it, but I guess my point is in some capacity, the way any rent relief would be passed on, and I'm, I'm obviously just guessing here. But my theory would be any rent relief that's passed on wouldn't be, no, you don't have to pay your rent. It would be there's going to be some subsidies given to the landlords, the tenants, and, the, and ultimately the banks so that the banks can get their payments. Because what happens if all of that trickles up to the banking system? Think about that. Imagine, imagine there's a whole bunch of multi-unit family investors are saying, hey, ten, you, you've just told the residential tenants that they don't have to pay their rents. Well, you know what? We then don't have to pay our mortgages. What happens to the banking system? And that's why I, I'm not kind of like too kind of worried about those things. Well, the and argument to that's going to be right now, just so you know, is that well, already people can defer their, their payments so they don't have to pay their mortgages, which isn't, which, which isn't actually true because they're, they're deferring. And this is where, where some things get lost in communication when you're talking to people to pay rent. They're like, well, if my, if my landlord can defer it, then why, why do I have to pay it? Well, the landlord has to defer it and ultimately pay it. Yeah, they right. play, they're going to pay so, everything back plus interest yeah, on exactly. on the on the deferred payments. Totally. So the, the tenants, you know, it's not like you get this tent this this rent waived. So the government would have to do something, right? Totally. Because otherwise, if the if the sure, and I can see banks, that argument. Point, no, just for clarification though, because I think a lot of people just don't understand that. Like you take for granted yeah, got and, it. And yeah. all the investors that, that go through this, like they understand kind of what they're doing, right? But a lot of people that aren't in in that world all the time, they don't understand. Yeah, they just that. hear they just that mortgages are deferred. And mortgages are not being paid. They're like, yeah, they're not paying it yeah. for six months. They defer not. They they just hear that and they're like, oh, that I don't have to pay my rent. I saw some report, some article in Canada had a reporter write, "Why should somebody that has more than four mortgages even be allowed to defer?" And I'm like, who is this person writing this article? So if you're somebody that's fighting for your family and saving up for investments and you've scratched and clawed and worked hard to save enough down payments to be able to buy four investment properties, you got some reporter just kind of pissing on you basically saying, why would they be allowed to defer? I'm like, people, you know, sometimes people just lose their minds. Like who would write such a thing? Yeah, I, 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 
I can't comment on news. I can't. No, I know. I can't. I I don't just can't. Most most, like the vast majority of mainstream news sources, I I just can't even. Because you know what's so. And it's going to get the next. Just think of the next six months. What we're about to see in the next six months. But we're we're, there's such this information overload, and everyone feels like they need to make more and more content and that type of thing, and they need the eyeballs, right? So that so the industry screwed up, like the media industry screwed up. So they need the eyeballs. So they have to they have to do these kind of pieces with certain headlines that get the clicks and get get people's eyeballs. So that's why they'll always take a certain approach with different angles, right? But what happens with that is there's only so much you can do with actual factual, like fact-based news. So to be able to combat everything else and all the split attention that's going on right now, what they have to do is they have to come up with more and more of these columns and these editorial pieces on these columnists. And a lot of them, it's, it's an individual opinion. So like you you go to what was, you know, or what is still considered this like quote unquote news source, like reliable news source, but you're not. I don't know if it's reliable, well, if, if anyone even thinks that anymore, no, but, but I get but it. it was, I, I get your you point. Go there yeah, yeah. And you're not getting news anymore. You're getting editorials, which is like no different than someone like, you know, writing their piece on a blog. They're just employed by someone that is a news source, but it, it, the actual content of the piece is no different. It's one person's opinion. So, but if it was on someone's blog alone, the value that you would associate it with there is so different than than if it's on like a mainstream news site. But the content is really the same thing. So, I just feel like there's been a disconnect in what what has happened, and I'm, I guess we're getting off track with the media. But I really feel that there's just no, but it's a disconnect. You, you know, it's a, such a valuable point here is that you know how we talked about socialism, free money ultimately changes the society, and this society doesn't always change for the best or doesn't change for the the best at all ever um, free media has this has had the same effect when the internet came out and everything became free it kind of had the same effect on media media changed from being kind of like a factual based news source and not all the time even even 25 years ago there was opinions and that kind of stuff but it changed because they had to get the clicks to make the advertising revenue if right from the beginning they just went to a paid for model you would have been left with some news sources that really had enough money to produce good content but you couldn't it would be hard to do because there was so much free stuff out there. People were going to say, well, I'm not going to pay. I'll just go with the free stuff or that would be the argument. But I'm finding the best news sources I find today are stuff we pay for. You and I pay for how many new different newsletters and access to information, thousands and thousands of dollars, US dollars for the information and the quality of information we're getting from those sources. Well, they go because you're supporting them financially, they can go deeper. Exactly. They have the opportunity. I mean, and it doesn't even have to be like, we're talking financial stuff now, but it's no different than the athletic. The athletic is, is a, is a sports website or app where yeah. you can get, not that I check it. I don't have checked it check in weeks. anymore. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but at the time when, when all the seasons were going on and there was all sorts of sports going on, their articles were just at a at a deeper level. They were their analytics were done deeper. They could spend more time. And I don't so know the fina- I don't know the financials of the business, but I'm guessing it's because that the the reporters were being probably paid differently or, or compensated differently, so they could write those pieces versus having to pump out many pieces at one time. Jeez, you know? I hope they're going to survive. I've kept my subscription yeah. alive, so I hope these guys survive. I love the athletic. Um, yeah, so cra- crazy stuff. And so just getting back to like, you know, the lost business income from the commercial side of real estate specifically, what happens if, and then this whole PPP thing in, this, in the States and, the, and you know, the, the stimulus that's going out into Canada right now with $2,000 checks and now the students are getting stimulus. Well, there's one thing that I got to just say about this PPP thing, and, and I'll beat up the government all day long because I think they do a lot of stuff really crappy. And I, you know, throughout this, I have my own opinions on a number of things, but with the way they've introduced 
our kind of subsidies and stuff like that. You mean like the CERB one? And the CERB and the, the wage, the yeah, yeah, the, the payroll wage, one, yeah, the payroll the subsidies. Wage, yeah, pay yeah, I don't know what it's the official name either. Yeah, ooze or something, isn't it? E- yeah, emergency yeah, wage subsidy program. I don't know, but the way they introduced that, and I know there's going to be all sorts of fraud with it as well and stuff. Nothing's perfect, but compared to what at least I've seen and some some um, friends in the States have told me from what they've seen and through their accountants what they've seen, the way we've distributed it here versus that PPP program where a lot of the big companies like big stock market, um, like, like public companies are going and kind of trying to get that money that's meant for small and medium-sized businesses that are like don't have access to the funds, like public funds on the stock market. They... Um, uh, yeah, they're know, getting big, big money. They're get, yeah, they're getting big money. I have a story to tell you. I can't share the name on this because it's a private story, but it's a big company that everybody would know here that a friend of ours is is uh, involved with, and they just got a huge payday from the U.S. government. Yeah, see, so and that's what I'm saying. So these guys are taking... So the way they've done it is these guys are all getting huge paydays, and the little guys aren't because of a limit. Our big guys are getting a huge payday too. Let's be very clear. Like Air Canada made that made the the, the deal with the government to you implement this. We'll hire our staff back at seventy five percent of the cost, meaning that the government's paying basically all the wages mm-hmm. for the people they laid off. However, yeah, and but, the, the Canadian banks, I'm sure. Do, it, how totally. much money are they getting? Well, just just for administering those loans, they're expected to get. I think in the article I saw like fifty million or something. So, but they. Um, uh, but at least some is getting through to some smaller businesses too. I know it's not perfect because I know some smaller businesses don't qualify for certain things. Agreed. But, but, yeah. but from what I'm seeing in the U.S., they, you know, I got. I'll give them a little bit of credit there. I'll give them a passing grade, and I got to wait to see how it all plays out. But, but I think there should be some kind of credit given that there's at least. It seems like there was a Canada's little bit done more a. Fr- it's not that it's perfect by any means, but it I, can't I agree. Be. How with can you. it be? You can't make everyone happy, but, I, but it's they. You know, the way they've distributed it, it's been okay. But what you were going to share that story? Well, I was just the story I was going to share is that you know how we were talking about the velocity of money and you need turnover of money because like if I make a hundred dollars the big oh there's no more to that big company that took all that money no because I can't tell you about it right now oh okay <laughs> got to tell you about it off the recording <laughs> um the uh you know I was going to talk about the velocity of money and how important yeah, okay. it is but how this stimulus I don't know if it's going to work because when this stimulus goes out and these checks are going out if people are scared of the future and instead of spending the money if they have $2,000 on their visa statement or $200 or $500 or $10,000 on their visa and they take some of this stimulus money and they take that money and, and they down pay the down their debt, that's, you know what? That's not just not stimulus. That is the destruction of money because money in today's economy is created when you take on new debt. So anytime you swipe your visa card at the store, you're actually creating new money. That's the source of money. Visa cards, bank loans, mortgages. This is how money is created. So if you take st- money that is intended to be stimulative to the... Stimulative? Stimulative? Is that a word? I think it is. If you take the money and you instead of spending it, you pay down your visa card because you're scared of the future, not only are you not stimulating the economy, you're destroying money. Because that money that was in circulation is now gone, killed at the source, snuffed out like a fire. It's gone. Whereas if I pay off a personal debt to Nick Caradza, that's different. If I, you know, if I have the money and I owe you money, I can pay you the money. Then you're like, okay, you're clear. And I'm going to go now go buy some burgers with the money. And then those restaurant, that's velocity. That's the velocity of money. But when you pay off debt at the source, not only are you not stimulating, you're actually decreasing the amount of dollars in the system. You're making the problem worse. You're making the problem worse. For the governments, right? Because they don't want that. For the central banks. 
for yeah for yeah, the government for the central yeah. bank so so when you map it out this is just kind of like where where i was trying to get together some stuff for the economic update i'm like lost output is going to lead to business failures business failures are going to lead to further decreases in consumption that we don't see yet today that we might see three four five and six months down the road and that's going to be a continued or future downturn that no one's even thinking about yet which is ultimately deflationary it, yeah and i guess the reason i'm just pausing at this is like i don't like what i see no no but based on recent track record i'm not saying they're going to stop it completely but they're going to the, the, when I say they, I'm saying, talking government central banks are going to do everything in their power oh, yeah, to yeah. not let that happen. Everything. And that's why Which I means went flooding, like, you know, based on, so like we saw in 2008, they flooded the market with, it was 4 trillion over, what period of time was it? it what, looks three like years? Yeah, I was going to say was it six, six. Was it that long? Well, I don't know. Something like that. I'll pull up the But chart. anyway, so they, they, they flooded the market yeah, with got up with to four, four in what? 2000, it went from 2009 to, to 2014. 2014. So about so five, five years. years. Yeah, before the last one hit in 2013, it looks like it went up. So, but now they've already pumped in two in the last 30 in like days. 30 days. <laughs> so, but, but they're you got to Google this chart up. If you're listening to this, you could just go St. Louis Federal Reserve total assets and take a look at this chart. St. Louis Federal Reserve total assets. But, um, but yeah, so they're going to fight this tooth and nail. So like they're going to fight provide, this tooth. And, you know, I agree. Well, I mean, if, if history, they can't let defla record, deflation yeah. kills the whole system. Yeah. So, and, and, you, and based on track record, you see the extent at that time, the extent they were willing to go was to go from 1 billion to 4 billion. So to, to go, it's really four and a half. So to kind of quadruple it. Yeah. But it was already, it was already just before the crisis it was already like half, it was almost close to a million kind of thing. No, that's 2009. That's right in the middle of the crash. Oh, right got it. One. Got it. Sorry. I thought yeah. you were talking about the whole thing. No, no, yeah. it's right at one. So. Yeah, so they, they just, they jumped it up from there. So if they were willing to do, to triple it from there, uh, you've talked about this before, they're like, well, if they're willing to triple, triple it from there and it's at four now, is it is it 16? Or do they need more this time? Is it even higher? Or, you know what when, I mean? Remember, like, we extrapolated it out that the federal debt might be go to at the end of this in the US from 22 trillion to possibly in the next five years. And, and this is guessing, if they kept that rate up and did it in a quick time, instead of a 10 year period, they did it in five year period, it would go up to 55 trillion. 55 trillion. If I can't Trump, even believe the numbers that I'm talking about. You know what? About. If Trump's ego can't get in the way, he should try to lose this and get, get <laughs> and just run away from the president. But do you remember no in the what? economic updates in the fall that we were giving to Rockstar Inner Circle members? This We were saying, hey, something looks weird here. This was the repo market and this chart was, this total assets chart on the St. Louis Federal Reserve was just going up yeah. again a tiny little yeah. bit. And yeah, that was October. It was October, yeah, remember? remember? And we're like, there's something weird's going on oh, here. September, it says September. End yeah, of September. September. No, we September. gave the talk in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's kind of the thing. So my, my whole point is that you're right. The deflationary trends that are going forward here are very dangerous. And the policy response. And then on top of it, you have the banks in Canada. In, in, so you have a deflationary setup here. And then the banks are tightening their lending. So the government's going to want the economy to have velocity. They're going to want money in the system. But the banks are operating out of an old school school book thinking, here's what they're thinking. Everything's okay. This is a normal tightening of the credit cycle. We will be careful with our risk. So we're not going to lend if somebody is a, a VP at Air Canada. We don't like their job hole. You know, we don't like their income possibilities going forward. So we're not going to lend to them. We're not going to lend to this person. And our, our income standards are going up because they're looking at this as a normal event. And my point is, this is not a normal event. The banks have to keep lending. 
And the bank, the government, if if they're if they're if they want to save the system, are going to go to the banks at some point. Mark my words, and say, "Hey, you must lend." Do you think they're going to say actually that? Hey, you must. <laughs> it's I not going to be that. Like, we're not going to get. A, no, it's not going to be. I, those just, words. I just look at Trudeau and I just can't picture the aggressive. Oh no, it's not going to be him. It's not going to be him. It's going to be the Bank of Canada. But can but but so the um, it's I was already reported that when the initial one of the initial stimulus bills in Canada went through that was being held up because there was a, there was the, the one of the opposition parties, I think it was, might have been the Conservatives, I'm not sure, was holding it up because of the Liberals had put in there some kind of wide-ranging powers to implement new taxes and things like that without um, government approval. Yeah, and, and, and Which is, you know, I, I mean, that's a, that's a logical reason to try to hold it up, right? Like, that's, that's reasonable. You're like, hey, man. But like, I like the reason on. that they wanted those. Exactly. And the reason... What that was reported. Now I don't Who know knows? how yeah, accurate yeah, it was, agreed. but there was some rumblings coming out that this reporter got a hold of that said it was. Um, so they were hoping to be able to, you know, in case they needed to act more aggressively towards the banks and put some things in place to force them to lend, they would have that power now. Now you know that wide sweeping power can change very quickly, and they can do other things with it. So, I love that they had that in the there. But the fact though. that they were, lo- if they were truly looking at doing it, but so I don't think that got approved in the end, right? Did that? It didn't. Pow- they had to end up removing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Well, because it, it was too wide, right? it was too wide ranging, yeah. right? Because it wasn't. It could. They could also then they can implement stuff against anything and anyone. So I, I can understand why you know. And I, I didn't look at the the details of it, so so I'm kind of speaking from a little bit of a point of view. Yeah, we just saw the media know, report. We didn't look at the legislation yeah. request. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's so that's an interesting. We're just in the middle of just an in, like a really interesting time here, and we'll see kind of the, how this happens. But something that I think it we've always talked about is that. There's no way you you talked about this a few times now is that you know there's no way to really have any sense of security in your life at any time. Going back to the gap, there's no executive at the gap that thought, oh my gosh, we're gonna have tens of millions of dollars in inventory sitting on the shelves. There's like you can't. Well, there's no precedent. There's no. It, right? There's no precedent. So security is like a non. You can't. You can't fully achieve security. But what you can do, and what we believe you can live life on your terms at all times, is that you can set yourself up. We believe with the right tools or weapons. Weapons sounds dangerous, but I mean monetary or, or financial weapons, so that anything the economy throws at you, your probability of navigating rough waters increases dramatically. Yeah, I would I would add to that. So yes, the white tools or weapons, like from a financial standpoint, but then also the right kind of skills and knowledge for yourself to be able to. Um, uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, a good contribute. Point. Sorry, contribute is what I was. Yeah, looking. yeah, to implement your thoughts. No, yeah, I was going to sure. say contribute value to other people because then you're still going to be of value to the economy. Because anytime you can show value to people, there's going to be an exchange there. Right, you can do other things. So, so there's a kind of combination there. So you need your own kind of financial stuff, but then just from an ongoing basis, what are the skills and knowledge that you're able to bring on a regular basis to people to try to help them out and show them value with the hopes that in, in any economy, you know, up, down, sideways, whatever the case may be, that there can be an exchange of value of some sort so that you can keep generating income for yourself while implementing those other financial kind of instruments or weapons that you were talking about. Totally. Totally. And I, and I think just, I think if you haven't heard this from us before, but Nick, we talk about this quite often. I think the th- kind of the three magical, cri- well, we talk about it kind of in different ways. We talk about it cash and that kind of stuff. But the three things that we've always talked about during economic updates that we've shared with investors that we work with are that you always want kind of three buckets available to you at all, the, all times. You want access to cash and cash for emergencies and deflation. 
I can't tell you how often we've done the economic update. We've had that cash thing up there. Like we've deflation. had emergencies and the word deflation, not a single question ever. But that's why you have access to cash. Because if cash gets extinguished out of the system, existing cash on hand gets more valuable, not less valuable. So because we're all used to living in inflation, you think you don't want to hold on to cash. But in a deflationary environment, existing cash gets more valuable. So you want cash. You want precious metals because precious metals are an insurance policy against the financial system, also a hedge against both inflation and deflation. And a lot of people don't understand that. But the reason that precious metals are a hedge against both inflation and deflation is because in an inflationary environment, your precious metals will be worth more. Everyone gets that. But in a deflationary environment, the historical precedents that we've researched and believe in will say that they will go down less in value than many other financial instruments. So you, if you lose less than everything around you, you're you kind win. of winning, yeah. right? So precious metals, and then fine, and that'd be like a mix of gold and silver. And then finally, income producing cash flowing assets. And for us, that's always been good income properties. And Nick, to your point, sophisticated investors look at the income on properties, and because of the what you just said, there's an exchange of value. When you're a property owner and renting it out, you are putting something of value into the market. And in exchange for that value, you can collect rent. You might be paid in rent in Canadian dollars or M&Ms. I don't know how you're going to be paid in rent or bacon. You might be paid in rent. You know what? I would probably take a bacon, full of good bacon for some, for some property. It's a lot of bacon. I don't know. I know it's a lot of bacon, but right now our family is going through a lot of bacon. But, uh, but there's a value exchange there, right? And then a, bi- a, a good business. And I was thinking about this a lot recently just because of, of, of what's going on. I just feel like with all the stuff that's been happening online, if you don't have a down payment to save for a property, a good income property, and you can't navigate the banking systems, you can always teach yourself Shopify. Yeah. You can always learn how to sell items online, get good at marketing online, learn Shopify. And if you're not sure if uh, uh, familiar with Shopify, Shopify is just like an online online shopping cart basically but one of the most popular ones in the world at this point so you can give yourself the skills to put a, an exchange of value not as a property that you would have to buy like a big hard asset but you can create the asset out of thin air get the skills that are in demand right now you can help people with their shopify carts you can create your own shopify store these are things that are available to all of us and they're and that's why we believe you can live life on your terms at all times in any environment there's always a way to do it. There's always an opportunity. So that's kind of like, even in this kind of mess, when we talk about this stuff, I know you and I both believe there's always something that we can do. And something that I just want to share that we've talked about, and we'll just maybe, we won't talk about this too much right now. But in the past, we've talked about crypto a little bit, and we haven't talked about it a lot. But I know some of our thinking on crypto has changed a little bit. And I think we should probably give the context on it. Now would be a good, good time to give the context on it. Yeah, part of my thinking hasn't changed. I can see you as we brought it up. You because it's a pain in the ass. That's why it's a pain in the ass. But that could be the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, and that's I'm seeing that now. You know, because I that my initial kind of, I mean, you know, venture down this path was I don't know. I mean, I had a friend first strongly suggested to me to be to get at least familiar with the space. I think it was 2017. It might have been 2016 even. So, um, and I kind of didn't, I, I looked into a little bit. I'm like, oh, I don't know, it seems like some work. I got to get, you know, look into this. I'm, I'm comfortable with the stuff I have. And then I lo- I revisited it. I know last year, I think it was last year or two years ago, but I'm pretty sure it was last year. I revisited it in a serious way and started setting up accounts and stuff like that. And still, even then, I'm like, man, this is a real pain in the ass to kind of get through all this process and where to store it. And then you don't store it. And there's, 
there's the exchanges and the wallets and is it a browser wallet? Is it a paper, and you're basically a buying a sequence of, of a sequence of, of, of characters. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's why I was like, man, this, it is a little bit of pain in the butt. Once you get it Look set up, then bought, you have a little more flexibility. Look what I bought, a sequence of characters. It's the setup process. But you know what? At the same time, we, I had to go to the bank and set up another account just at a different oh. bank, right? Just for the, for the business. And I didn't even want to do that. So I got, I have this thing with, when I have to fill out forms and paperwork and like disclose all this, like here's your names, your finances, all these details to people. I don't like it. That's that's like my hang up. I'm like, why are they probing yeah, me for this yeah. stuff? And I get it. I realize there's laws get and lost. stuff like that, but I don't. I do not like it. I get it. There's laws and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, there are yeah, financial yeah, there's, rules. There's laws. But uh, but but one of the money, reasons, damn it. I think one of the reasons that I was never interested in it is because I was always sold on it from this context. It was that this is going to be a currency, and I always kind of fought back, saying, "Listen, we were a business. You know what we can't do with the Bitcoin that we collect." We can't pay taxes. And until we can pay the government our HST, our payroll taxes, and our you know income taxes in Bitcoin, it makes no sense to accept Bitcoin in the business because I have to pay the Canadian government in taxes. And do I as a business owner want to accept Bitcoin and then just hope that it's not volatile? And I guess ideally if it goes up, you're golden. But, but if you're in this little window, because you have to submit your taxes on an ongoing basis, like you're submitting your HST, well, HST, yeah, everything's actually on an ongoing basis. And uh, um, let's say the Bitcoin price falls. And if the value falls, I still have to submit my taxes. When am I going to get the difference? So that was always my argument against it. And it's still my argument against it from a currency point of view. But where our thinking has recently changed is that now we can see it as a, in, as, as a new plumbing for a birth of a new financial ecosystem. Yeah, and we're not saying you know whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, or oh my Litecoin gosh, absolutely, yes, else. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not saying anything like that, but but the actual to your point, the infrastructure of it, and where this became abundantly clear recently was because we were opening these new accounts and it was with a different institution. It wasn't an online bank with like a, a Simply or Tangerine or something like that where you can just do an online transfer, even though it takes a long time. It takes usually, what, three business days or something for that to happen. You can still do it relatively easy. Whereas to get money from like an RBC to a TD or to a Scotia or CRBC, it's a pain. Like you got to withdraw the money. You got to go or get a money order or go get, um, or you have to write a check. Right, you have to do all it's these ancient. things. And I'm like, there's no way. That Even with Interact, just it's just things. ancient. It's yeah. ancient. So it's the Swift system. You can use the Swift system to send it, and that is the biggest pain. I mean, we've used that before to send money to Europe multiple times. That is disastrous. Disastrous. As well. you, and, I feel like you cross your fingers and just hope it gets there because yeah. it goes into a black hole for yeah. some period of time. So then, so then, when we started looking at it like this, we're like, oh, hold on here. If this is the new kind of like, like you said, like the plumbing for a new setup, all of a sudden then it starts to make sense. Yeah. Then you're like, yeah, cause it's, it's cause the block, cause it's block the blockchain technology always made sense to me. A distributed ledger was to me oh, totally. like the Holy grail. 100%. I'm like, this is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I'm sold on this a hundred from day one. As soon as I understood blockchain, I'm like, this is golden. This is going to win. And it didn't, it didn't even have to be for currency for, for, for anything, for anything. anything. Yeah, yeah, 100, 100%. Blockchain is yeah. winning, but, but the whole currency aspect, but now that we understand that the, the, instead of a currency, this could be the underlining mechanisms of a financial architecture. And that then it becomes brilliant because if there are people, you know, how we were talking about Lebanon earlier on this podcast. And if there really are people yeah. who are upset and they, if they want to get their money out of there, what are they going to get? How are they going to get the access to the SWIFT system if the banks are closed and this kind of stuff? But if there's this new financial architecture where you can kind of send money all over the world really quickly 
And, and it might, again, not be Bitcoin or Ethereum. This might just be the mechanisms in which some other currency eventually sits on top of or who knows what happens. Yeah, it, there, there's, there is, val- there's, there's more interest there than, definitely than, than I thought from, for myself personally. For me too. And that's where we can see like, oh, you know, and, and the whole world's financial architecture is going to be up in arms. You know, the central banks had a conference. They didn't meet because of COVID, but with all this stuff, because they would normally meet. But, you know, they had a two day conference. I think day two is today. April 30th. I think it was the 29th, 30th. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I was I looking, I was looking this up. Yeah. They just met. So I'll try to see if I can get some details and share it with, uh, on the economic update. But yeah, it was a two day virtual oh, meeting man. between global central banks. To be a fly on the oh. wall for, with that thing, oh. or I guess a fly in the zoom call or whatever. Oh my God. Now I wish I knew how like the, I wish zoom still lacked security and there was a way we could hack Someone into can, it or yeah, something. What are yeah. they using for their conference? Yeah, well, you know, it probably just is zoom though. It probably is. You're right. Yeah. We give them too much credit. Totally. And someone accidentally jumps on the call to all these central bankers from around the world talking. You're like, oh, hey, man. it's Tom and Nick from no, Rockstar. You know what? It's, it's a new, it's a better, it's a better technology that was pushed to them by some other, you know, sales rep. They don't know that it's owned by a, a host of like foreign entities oh that gosh, want to kind of totally. see what people are yeah, doing yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, or something. So anyway, so that's what I, we wanted to share, I guess, just about crypto and our thinking about it. We're like, okay, now we can see it as the plumbing perhaps of the f- a future financial system or the evolution of the existing financial uh, system. And that's where it kind of gets rather interesting. Yeah. Cause if, if, if it starts to change, if in, it goes a little bit more mainstream and the usability of it starts to change in some oh, way, shape geez. or form to appeal to a larger scale on a larger scale to larger masses of people, then it could get interesting fairly quickly well then i could even see the governments using that architecture for some of their own digital currencies which aren't going to be the brilliant ones like like some of the freedom uh, that you that people believe in in bitcoin and ethereum and litecoin and all that kind of stuff now because it'll be like the currency that's taxed and tracked and the whole bit but the architecture to make that work if that's being developed now through some of these technologies it's it gets it gets interesting from an investment point of view so this is obviously i don't know how to classify this type of investment if you're going to go there this is the flyer this is the it's thing you moon, throw moon against sh- the wall yeah, yeah yeah this is this is the one that could go to zero or it could go to the yeah, moon yeah yeah, yeah. you got it you got to be careful uh, in this space yeah yeah i don't even know if i would call it an investment right now it would be uh it would be a bit no, it's of a bet it's a bit of speculation it's like betting yeah. on the stanley cup champion on yeah. september 1st and seeing yeah. what happens yeah and it's like the upside it, though the and up- specifically it's like betting on the leafs because they're always crap so yeah. the chances of them winning are like but if they win that. the upside on the celebration is so great <laughs> So, so if crypto wins, the upside in the celebration is so great, but don't tie them to the Leafs. Hey, yeah. this is mo- most important. So I, I'm a Leafs fan, but I, I just, I'm a little bit more of a pessimistic one than Tom. But uh, so, hey, there's something really more important than all this that we have to talk about. Is the NHL coming back? I if Austin so. Matthews doesn't get his 50 goals oh this God, year, I'm going to be so I sad know. for that guy. I actually got into a big discussion at a, a, outside the Whole Foods parking lot. There's a, this big, awesome truck. Some guy had a big Ford F1 truck all souped up. And I was about to compliment him on the truck. And I look at the plate and it had something about the Habs on it. Oh. I forget it was. It was like Habs forever or Habs something. And I'm like, hey, dude, I was about to say nice truck. But then I saw your license plate. He just started <laughs> laughing. We started talking about all the old Leaf games. We started talking about the old Habs games when they won. Carey Price. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, not, yeah and, and Ra with the Stanley Cup and uh, and Gretzky's high stick in 1993. Oh, so I, I uh, so so yeah, I want I definitely want to see that. I'm not sure they would have really kind of made much of us think in the playoffs. Maybe maybe not. In 1993, but, where they would have beat the Habs, they no, beat no, them I'm in the regular season. Yeah, Even yeah. this guy admitted that it would have been a challenge yeah. for the Habs that year. I think Gretzky came out and said that yeah. recently. There was some stuff. It's my on dream. It's my right. dream. But anyways, the uh, I'm actually really disappointed with the Raptors as well. 
Because to be yeah, fair, the Raptors were, pro- you know, and I know I think there's a good chance they might have lost Milwaukee in the finals. Mm-hmm. But man, they were stepping up to the plate when they needed to. And Agreed. after losing Kawhi to prove that they were still a real team and a top tier team. I wanted team, to see it too. It would have been, it would have been just fun to, yeah. you know, it, it would have been good for sure. It yeah. would have been good. So I'm, yeah. def- I'm definitely disappointed about that too. So we talk more hockey, but we're basketball fans too. And I'm disappointed about that. Totally. Um, okay, we'll wrap it up. Nick, yeah, thanks for doing this. It. Hey everyone, it's Tom Krads again. Hopefully you enjoyed that chant. I know, a uh, chant? We had a chant? Hopefully you enjoyed that chat. <laughs> we were a little bit all over the place there. Um, but I think there was some, th- that's the stuff we love talking about. You know, different, you know, financial stuff, stuff related to money, different stuff in the Canadian economy, the U.S. economy. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed that chat. We love talking about that kind of stuff. And soon we will bring back new in-studio uh, guests here. I'm saying in-studio. It's my office here that we're setting up um, as this podcast studio. But we will have guests back on shortly. In the meantime, if you want to learn more about the Rockstar Inner Circle membership, you can go to Rockstar Inner Circle dot com forward slash member that's rockstar inner circle.com forward slash member you can see all the benefits of becoming a rockstar inner circle member including getting access to our three times a year economic update the next one is going out on may 7th it's the first one we're ever doing virtually it's exclusively for rockstar inner circle members and you can check out all of that along with all the other benefits of being a member at rockstar inner circle.com forward slash member that's it for now hope you're doing great we'll talk to you soon until next time, before, until next time, your life, your terms. I can't believe I messed that up. Anyway, we're going to leave the blooper in.